Big Rab Show podcast is kindly sponsored by G1 Reads. They are the champion's choice, with many bands around the world playing G1 products, including two-time world champions in Vararian District. So check out g1reads.com as they keep the lights on here on the Big Rab Show podcast. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to another Big Rab Show podcast. How are you, folks? Hope you're all keeping rightly out there in podcast land. And yeah, you may have guessed by the title of this week's episode, uh, yeah, we're not exactly warming up for the Euros this upcoming week. <laughs> and there's a good explanation for that. Now, a lot of you may well be thinking, what's going on? Uh, why have we got this specialist show in the middle of the season? Well, for good reason, and we'll get into that. But first of all, by way of introduction, if this is your first ever Big Rab Show podcast, then you are welcome. We are the show for the bagpiping folk, reflecting everything in the bagpiping world, be it Celtic music, folk music, or indeed our bread and butter, which is competitive piping and drumming. Each and every week, we talk about what we know and love to be the music of the great Highland bagpipe and its people. And don't forget, like every other podcast out there if you'd like to help support the show you can just go along to our patreon page and click on support and you'll get access to loads of extra piping content and you'll also be safe in the knowledge knowing that you're helping support one of your favorite wee podcasts keep the wheels turning indeed so yeah like i said it's not compulsory however but you can go and help support the show over there on patreon and be part of our patreon faithful because they are all awesome Yes, indeed. Now, this week's podcast, like I said, is a bit of a specialist episode this week. We don't have any listener mail, and we don't have weekly drone or word of the week or any of that sort of stuff. But I would like to remind you, as always, of the usual points of contact. If we are about to speak about anything on this week's podcast that may be of interest to you, and you have any sort of commentary at all, then again, our email address, as always, has never changed. It's bigrabshow at gmail.com. That address again, bigrabshow at gmail.com. Yeah, let us know your thoughts and feelings on this week's chat, uh, which we're about to get into. It's quite an interesting one, for sure. But, uh, yeah, before we get into all of that there, I suppose I have to take a short little break, first of all, before we get into the introductions and everything of what exactly are we going to be talking about on this week's pod and why, why now? Do you wish piping could be fun again? Bagpipers around the world continue to struggle with their instrument, despite hours of hard work trying to get better. Bagpiping should be fulfilling. Your hard work should pay off, showing improvement and the freedom to express yourself musically. Or why do it? The Dojo University believe every piper should be able to free themselves from musical frustration, proven over more than a decade of successful teaching and accessible anywhere with an internet connection. The Dojo is unlike any other bagpipe learning experience in the world. Let the Dojo channel your enthusiasm into a fun and fulfilling program that will empower you with the knowledge to fall in love with piping all over again. So go to dojouniversity.com forward slash big grab and take advantage of our 30-day free trial of Dojo Premium Membership. Join the global community of students today and rediscover the fun of bagpiping. dojouniversity.com forward slash big grab for a 30-day free trial. Yes, indeed. Why a specialist episode? Yeah, and the, the episode 284. Why do, Why now? Well, I have to be honest. Myself, I am on a bit of a family vacation right now. So I am kind of lapping up the sunshine with my wife and kids. But we did time this episode deliberately. And we do realize that we are halfway through our competitive season at this stage. A couple of majors under our belt with one in front of us with the Europeans coming up this weekend. And uh, yeah, if you do want to be caught up in all the latest news and stuff about the Euros this upcoming weekend and the results from the previous result, you know, from previous, you can go back and listen to last week's pod. Uh, plus all of the information will be available on our social media and that we'll be trying to keep on top of the news. The reason why we wanted to drop this week's special episode on you guys is for a very good reason. 
This week we're going to be talking about the mental side of the piping game. And we believe at this stage, this is where... Yeah, we believe that this podcast could be incredibly valuable to a lot of people out there. This podcast talks about the mental side of piping and drumming, which doesn't get talked about a lot. You know, I know a lot of people out there who do suffer from stage fright or performance anxiety, but also have difficulties with, you know, you know, abilities with concentration and stuff, and people losing focus halfway through a performance, for example. And this week, we've got quite an awesome interview to bring you with Dr. Fiona McConaughey. And I have to say, this is gold. And the reason why we've held on to this interview up until this point is because we do believe that it's incredibly valuable. And halfway through the season, at the point when everyone's just starting to get a little tired, we believe that this will hopefully buoy people up and... Yeah, hopefully there's some little nuggets of wisdom in here uh, for all of us here in the piping scene to possibly gleam from and put into practice and hopefully help improve our own playing and deal with some of the mental issues uh, that we have to deal with in the piping scene. Now, whenever you're thinking the mental side of piping, Rab, what exactly are you talking about? Well... You'll have to find out once we get into this week's topic of the week. But uh, there's a lot to consider here. And like I said, this interview was pre-recorded ahead of this week's podcast, maybe a month or two before, around April, May time. And uh, yeah, we decided to hang on to it until this late stage, just for the very reason, as we're right in the midst of our competitive season. And we do think that this is a valuable time to bring this topic to the show. So, if you do want to complain and say, Ah, Rab, come on, I wanted to see a European Championship preview and all of that stuff. Um, Yes, apologies. We didn't, we're not producing a Euro preview this year. Uh, We are instead doing our specialist episode. But we do hope that you manage to get value from it. It is a little bit of a break from the norm of what we do here in the Big Rab Show pod. And I do know we're in the middle of the season, but we did think that this was the best place for this week's pod. So, you can send your complaints in, I suppose. TheBigRabShow.com forward slash weekly drone. You can let us have it with both barrels if you think this was poorly timed. And, uh, yeah, (laughs) I guess. Hey, we're going to roll the dice here. And hopefully this will be a podcast that's of some value to you folks out there in the piping scene. Well, with that all being said, by way of an introduction, I think it's time for me to go and get myself a big cup of tea. It's time for this week's Topic of the Week. McLennan Bagpipes by North Carolina artisan bagpipe maker Roddy McLennan from Euston, Scotland. They don't strive to be the biggest, fastest or the cheapest. They do, however, meticulously craft a small number of warm and stable sounding instruments of heirloom quality. Roddy has followed this philosophy for over 30 years and continues to evolve with innovations like the Elevation Chanter. Designed with North American bands in mind, providing a lower pitch, rich harmonics and strong, clear projection, Elevation Chanters provide a stable platform for a thick band sound. Check out BespokeBagpipes.com for more information. McLaren Bagpipes, born in Scotland, made in the USA. The British Drum Company is driven by their passion to create the finest marching drums for those who recognise and value the highest of standards. The Axial Series is the British Drum Company's flagship pipe band range. Axial's distinctive aesthetic owes much to its X-frame cage system. This futuristic hardware is designed to complement all of the amazing shell finishes on offer, such as the Phantom, Smoked Walnuts, and the very popular Merlin finishes, of which there are three new additions for 2022, Platinum, Violet, and Emerald. The bass and tenors now come with Georgian oak hoops, which feature their head stress management system, and wide mass claws for all-round better tension across the heads. The British Drum Company's Axial Series is innovation defined, designed and engineered for you to look amazing, sound amazing and feel amazing. Wallace Bagpipes. Quality, pride and passion made in Scotland. Proud bagpipe supplier to the Red Hot Chili Pipers. Visit wallacebagpipes.com for more information or contact your nearest dealer. 
Ah, yes. Time for Topic of the Week. And uh, I've been kind of big up on this interview, haven't I? I've been really trying to hard sell it, I suppose. But uh, trust me, over the course of the next while... This is an interview with absolute pure gold, and there is a reason why we've held on to it for now, as we've already explained. But before we get into everything, I do want to kind of, again, let you know about the points of contact. Our email address, as always, is bigrabshow at gmail.com. And we also do give out points of contact and stuff where you can talk with Fiona and talk about the mental side of piping and drumming. Uh, If she does raise any issues at all here that you do believe that we should delve further into, uh, well, Fiona is definitely available for contact and you can chat with her all about, you know, any concerns or problems that you may have. Uh, So hopefully we managed to unpack everything in this interview. But if you do have further questions, then, uh, yeah, we do have points of contact and everything available. You can email us, bigrabshow at gmail.com. Well, I think by now I've kind of sold this interview enough. By way of an introduction, let's get into it. Let's find out exactly who Fiona is. And actually, she has quite a piping pedigree as well herself. So, Fiona, if you don't mind me saying, you're quite a high-level bagpiper yourself. You actually placed fourth in the Northern uh, Meeting. In the past, and so, you have, yeah, you've you quite. Ah, oh, I've done my research now. Yeah, uh, so you have quite a, a piping pedigree. You've been involved in the scene for a while now. Can you tell us how you got your start and everything in the piping world? Well, um, I sort of grew up in a family. My father played the bagpipes, and my mother was a Highland dancing teacher. Mm. And so from a very young age, they were both interested in that. So obviously I did the dancing with my mum first at a very young age. And then I remember playing the recorder at school and it wasn't really for me. I was too much of a chatterbox. So um, <laughs> my father wasn't too keen on teaching girl um, pipers. At the right. time. So <laughs> anyway, I asked him if I could start the chanter a wee bit more robust than the uh, recorder for me personally and it didn't seem to take off much and we actually lived in Liverpool at the time outside Liverpool so my Sassanac so anyway my family then moved up to the north of Scotland and um, I wasn't particularly good at maths on a Friday we used to get maths well arithmetic on a Friday in the primary school so there was it clashed also with piping you know the piping tutor coming around so it was quite a nice excuse to get out of it so after it not really starting off properly with my father we then um I then decided to um quit maths or arithmetic lessons on a Friday by going to the chanter practice again and it just took off and I went to Jimmy Matheson from Rosehall and uh, so he used to give lessons on a Friday and it just came easy to me and then my father started picking it up again with me uh, as well at home and um, then we just started going around the competitions as say a 10 year old um, around the north of Scotland and then dipping in and out of the big championships eventually. Um, and I also did the dancing at the same time as well. So did both. And that was really most weekends and charity events and all the usual stuff that everybody does. So that's how yeah. it, it started. Yeah. So were you involved in any bands or was it all solo playing? Um, it was really all solo at the time. Um mm. Although I was asked by like the local pipe bands up north to play with them, but with competing at dan- in my dancing at a high level and also the yes. you know, doing the piping at the same time, I didn't really have enough time for that. And I also always preferred being a wee bit solo. I'm a bit, a bit of a lone wolf, um, <laughs> which is if I'd just done the piping, yes, definitely I would have gone into a pipe band, but I just basically didn't have enough time. There you go. There's only so many hours in the day. Exactly. Yeah. So the reason we have you on the podcast this week is to talk all about the mental side of bagpiping. And with your pedigree and your background in the piping world, uh, you actually spent quite a bit of time advising some of the top end folks of competitive piping, you know, both in the solo scene and band scene uh, and helping with the mental side of it. Um, Can I ask then, what are sort of the common things that most pipers, drummers and that would come to you with the main one which is quite an obvious one is the anxiety level the stress level and this can 
occur from whether it's a beginner who's just going in for their first competition or just playing in front of an audience for the first time is nerve-wracking to the elite people that have been at the top for say 40 50 years for a long period of time because they've got people snapping at their heels wanting to overtake them and it's so difficult to stay at the top so they don't want to lose their great name you know they're living legends and they've been there for a long period of time so again it doesn't matter they still have the same anxieties and there's a lot of different aspects that overlaps with anxiety. It's like the focus goes, then you've got the negative self-talk that's going on, all the horrible, irrational negativity and noise, really, that's going on in the brain. And then that gets in the way, whether you're an elite player to a weekend player to a beginner, it affects everybody in different ways. And we experience it all differently as well. Absolutely, yeah. It's a big one, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, and, and that brings me on nicely straight into my first question then because I want to talk about my own personal experience I'm being completely selfish here right um, I've had particular problems with you know stage fright you know and seeing that competition arena once you kind of walk from the regular you know tuning area and all the rest and you feel fine it's great you're going through the motions and then you get closer to the arena I start feeling that building up and then whenever you're standing on the line with the rest of the guys around you, I'm shaking like a leaf <laughs> and I'm already, I'm ready to collapse. It's the least favorite place in the world for me. Um, is that something common then with competitive people who play competitively? As soon as yeah. they step out there, it's like, <gasps> you know, <laughs> well, you know, you get the three minute warning or something before you go on and you get yeah. into that mode and in actual fact I use that three minute warning period in practice with people to get them ready and prepared for that to harness basically you're trying to harness that energy you know you're aware and you're interpreting that energy that you've got the butterflies in that mm-hmm. and you've got to harness that to get your best performance if you went in cold to a competition and you felt nothing you would not get your best performance out of that equally it depends on how you interpret that energy Hmm. So you can either work with it or you can freeze with it. Now, some people, they just become so laid back, the horizontal, and they just can't get into the competition. They just go into this different zombie mode and they can't, you know, they just can't get into it. And they're halfway through the competition and eventually they're getting in and it's too late then for them. But majority of people get so uptight and actually we can take quite high levels, fairly high levels of the physiological stuff, as long as the mental stuff is quite calm. But if the mental side, the cognitive side, the self-talk, the sabotaging beliefs, all that is pretty high, that's when things go awry. And basically we call the cognitive side the splitting factor in performance because that will that's the pivotal part that will affect our performance. So if we can control the mental side, we can you know, experience fairly high levels of the physiological and do well. But we need to harness that to to get our our best out of ourselves. You can't go into competition cold. You won't get the absolute best. You won't get your optimal performance. So, um, yeah. That's it. Yeah, but we've spoken to many people who have competed at the toppest end of the World Championships, for example, where there's loads of screens, there's grandstands, there's cameras everywhere. And they've told me about this, you know, if they aren't nervous, then there's something wrong. And yeah. a lot of them talk about using those nerves to fuel their concentration. How do you do that? This yeah. Well, it takes quite a bit. It, you know, if you're an experienced and elite player over time, you do have confidence will act as a buffer to mm. nerves and anxiety. And a lot of people can thrive and relish that adrenaline rush. You know, that that awareness of that arousal that somatic physiology that's going on whereas others will just freeze with it so you've got to get used to it the more experience it comes down to experience too but the more experience you are the more you can put a protective buffer around yourself basically but um you need to harness that and get used to that it's how it comes down to how you interpret that and how you handle that pressure and utilize that 
energy to your your best advantage so you've got to get used to that you've got to get used to what you're like as yourself everybody's different from one person to the next to the next and basically harness that to get the maximum out of your performance um in terms of how you do that it takes quite a while and it depends on yourself as an individual but you want to get used to it's how you interpret it basically some people will interpret that physiological arousal as a threat you know they'll perceive it individually as a threat to the system and if they've gone into a competition they felt like that in the past and they played badly then it'll be a, a trigger for them to think oh I'm going to do badly again yeah. if they've done well they can associate and interpret and perceive that somatic arousal as something positive and I need that to do well and they can thrive and relish off it so people have to get used to that they need to you know the more they're exposed to 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 those um you know the 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 physiological arousal and becoming aware and the interpretations of that the, the the better it will be but of course things like focus or little niggles that happen on the day can affect and you know the individual how however you know whatever um level of, of piping the rat whether they're elite or the, or the beginner so things can throw you but what you've got to do is have a really good backup plan and keep things as simple as possible on the day of the competition basically That's it. yeah so I'm, I'm hearing it, it comes down with experience i suppose yeah and like you to say extent, keeping... but it can still affect individuals you know yeah yeah less so than less experienced people Yes, yes, absolutely. And you mentioned focus there and concentration. This is definitely my experience of I've played in some of the higher grades myself and I'm terrified of letting everyone else down, not myself down, but I'm terrified of making a mistake and disappointing the band as a whole. And as a result, there's been some times where I've been playing away and I'm listening and I thought, this sounds great. And then, oh, what if I make a mistake here? Oh God, I don't want to be the person to mess it up. And then that starts and then it just spirals from there. How can players keep their focus? Well, there's a lot of different things that we can use in terms of training people and keeping their focus. And basically, you've got to match your attentional style, your your focus style to the situation, because Mm -hmm. there's different types of focus that we can develop. It's not an all or nothing scenario. We basically have four different types of um, focus in terms Mm -hmm. of internal, external and the width narrow or 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 large um and basically we've got to match that if there's a mismatch going on there's a problem usually when we're we become anxious we become very focused internally and narrow that's what generally happens with everybody chronically internal and narrow so you're just focusing on one thing whether it's a slip or a what if statement and that means that you're not actually focusing on the task in other words you're not being performance oriented or task oriented and as a result performance goes awry because you're just so narrowly focused and this can happen habitually it's a typical way of what happens when we're very very anxious or we'll ruminate over a small little mistake a wee slip or something and we just keep playing that back and back and back and you're not concentrating what you do you should be the music you should be in the flow you should be able to be in a position where you're quietly confident you practice extensively obviously and that that's taking care of that and you've got this consistency in performance from one to the next there's some of the, the the best players have said to me that they know what to do on the day they just turn it on they know what to do out with little things that can completely throw people you know an, on an extraordinary day but generally they know what to do on the day and you should be in that position where you want to showcase what you're doing you've put all that practice in so you want to do that and display not be nervous or, or worried and, and everything you need to be in that position in control basically yeah. but you need the best position is when you're in the flow when it's just an autotelic experience when it's just it's almost like it's so automatic, the playing, that it's almost like it's not you. You can almost stand back yeah. and observe yourself playing. It's so natural and easy. Mm-hmm. And that that's what characterizes the top performances. So That's it, absolutely. And I do remember that slipping into automatic pilot quite a few times, you know, and then you're sitting thinking, well, what am I going to have for dinner this evening? And you're playing <laughs> all the way through the set and you're not really you know, physically concentrating on what you're actually doing on the instrument, but instead... You become the music, essentially. You yeah. are the music. 
Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I, I loved what you said there about, you know, that one negative thought creeping in and then getting larger and larger because that's happened to me more times than enough. I'm sure that's quite a common thing uh, with musicians, I suppose. Yeah, it happens with everybody from sports people, dancers, musicians, right across the board. It's the self-sabotaging beliefs. If you start, if you, you know, one of the, the biggest things is the pressure with win, 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 win in competition. Mm. You know, it's there's global competition. There's so many pi- excellent top grade pipe pipe bands a level the gold standard that bar is raised so high these days it's pretty much unbelievable it's like a battleground when you go out to compete in yeah. pipe bands etc and um you know it becomes so difficult for the individuals but um basically you've got to get away from the winning scenario and focus on the performance if you Anxiety is tremendously caused, and I've said this in lots of the talks that I've done, by focusing on the outcome of the event. You can play, you know, the best you've ever played in your life and still Mm -hmm. lose. You can't control for other people. So don't attend to listening to other people. Focus on yourself. You can't control even for for what judges will do because it is a subjective type sport in a way. It's an aesthetic sport and people have the different preferences, you know, although consistency is really pretty damn good, I would say, in the piping world. um, you, You know, you can't control for what other people think of you, but also. If you're focusing on the winning, it's going to put so much tremendous pressure and anxiety on you. You know, what if I don't do this? I've I've seen people in top championships, and I used a wee example from the Glenfiddich years ago, about several years back. And he, he's talked about it himself, and it was Ian Spears, and he was knocking on the door for winning the, the Glenfiddich a number of times. And um, he'd done this particular year, he'd done a blind of a Peabrock and it was lunchtime when everybody was saying, and he was aware he played a, a good Peabrock. So he must have been thinking to himself, if I can come in fairly highly, do a pretty decent MSO in the afternoon, that's me with the Glenfiddich eventually. He broke down. Yes. He learned from that the next two years, he won it the next two years, the Glenfiddich. But mm-hmm. he talked about this openly. What he was doing was thinking ahead. And this is you stress, positive stress, thinking about doing well in the future. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it put so much untold pressure on him. He wasn't task oriented. He wasn't performance oriented and so broke down. That's so it. You know, yeah. if you think too much about the outcome, you know, you lose it. What you need to do is really focus on your performance and let it flow. Don't even think too much because that starts jamming the performance. You can think in practice, but not so much in the as such. Let it flow in the in the competition. Indeed. So focus on the music, the performance itself, rather than the prizes and everything after the fact. Indeed. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So we've spoke to quite a number of Glymphitic competitors um, and then re- in recent months, actually, Jack Lee, we spoke to him and he spoke a lot about visualization and yeah. picturing himself there. And that he, he said he put photographs up of the stage and everything in his practice space. Tell us about visualization. Well, what is exactly. it? It's almost got a slightly Jekyll Hyde nature. It can work really, really well. Some people it won't work for. They, they're, they're too impatient with it. And, and, and that's, being honest about the the whole thing but when it works it works superbly well but it doesn't work overnight you've got to practice it every day and keep it going keep it fresh when you're using visualization you need to use all the senses including the emotion so you're visualizing you want if you're visualizing for example the glenfiddich you want to visualize it as close to that situation as possible the other thing too which i tell people is if you can practice in that place that you're going to be competing on either very early in the morning or the night before or close to it that will greatly greatly help you mm. also if you've been to a competition before you know what it's like it's, it really helps ease the, the the visualization so you want to bring in all the senses the tactile feel what the chant is like your sweaty hands in it or gripping the chanter the kinesthetic feel where your body movement and positioning is, hearing. It's not just a mind's eye visualization. Mm. That's just simply imagery. Visualization is using everything. And um, all your emotions, how do you feel? Do you feel the butterflies? Do you feel a bit angry? Are you concerned? All these different things. But the best way to use visualization is what we call VMBR, visuomotor behavior rehearsal. And with that, you're using relaxation first. So you would use probably, I would suggest a very quick 
progressive relaxation, which would take about five minutes, go through the main muscle groups, you know, you're, you're tensing, releasing. And once you've done that, say at night, then spend about 10 minutes going through your pre-performance routine, going through your sets, executing them perfectly. But also it's important, how do you feel after you've executed your performance? That's important too, the satisfaction, the joy, you know, that you get from it. So you need the whole you know, the holistic approach towards it. So, yeah, you include the whole lot there. There you are. So that's really quite interesting. And if anything, it kind of answers a question of mine that I've had with going to the World Championships for pipe bands now for, I don't know, decades. And always <laughs> the the night before the championship, Glasgow Green is full of bands and they're all practicing in the arenas that they would be competing in. And I never figured out why. Um, I could be lashing with rain and they're still there. You know, it never <laughs> made sense. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. So I think yeah. that's, is that what they're doing then? They're so visualizing. Habituating yourself to that situation so that when you're going there, all the cues, all the different, you know, yeah. where layout of the place is very familiar to you. And so the body, it can only be stressed for so long and then it naturally habituates. So if you put yourself in a situation and you're nervous in a particular situation or context, mm and you're there for, say, over half an hour, the body starts to relax in that place. So then when you enter that place the next day, it makes it easier to adjust, and that alleviates a lot of the nerves, and you feel more at home, more relaxed. So it really massively does help. The same with visualising the place as well. Yeah, that does seem to be quite a powerful tool that a lot of folk, especially in the higher end, would use. But I would recommend possibly everyone in the piping scene would use that who maybe suffers with, you know, performance anxiety and heading that line, you know, actually you seeing also, it. Yeah. You can also visualize different scenarios where you are anxious and how you can control yourself. Mm. And the more you do that, you're ingraining it, you're developing a blueprint in your neural network, as it were, for, you know, you're becoming, you're ingraining it and uh, it, it starts to work eventually for you. So yeah, it's very powerful. But the negative is even more powerful. <laughs> so if you start <laughs> visualizing anything negative, oh boy, that works and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. That's it. That. so we're, we're trying to keep things positive here as we're visualizing things. Yeah. That the the no day is going to go well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Oh, I'm visualizing it's going to lash with rain. The burgers cost 20 pounds and, and you know, <laughs> you're not visualizing that stuff. Try and keep it positive. Um, so I need to talk to you about preparation. As I'm sure you know, pipers and drummers, we are musicians and we're quite fickle people. And as soon as we realize, you know, uh, we keep making a mistake in that reel, we love to beat ourselves up over it. You know what I mean? And you get into this real negative cycle of self-criticism. You know, oh, you're terrible. You're never going to be able to play. And da, da, da. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So in our preparation and in our practice time, is there any way to stop us from beating ourselves up over mistakes? Totally. It's your attitude and how you approach. Now, it's easier said than done, yeah. you know, saying all this to you. But if you can keep hold of that energy, instead of wasting all that negative energy and anger of what's going on mm. and faffing about, as it were, if you can remain like a remote observer to the problem, and look at it as objectively as you can and break mm -hmm. it down into ways that you can. So if it's amenable to change, look at gathering the information with what's wrong with the problem, problem solving, goal setting, mm -hmm. whatever it takes to sort that out. If you've got a problem and it's not amenable to change, you can't change a problem that you have. You can either change your perception of it, which is a little bit like cognitive dissonance, but you make yourself feel happier or um, you work on yourself emotionally. Mm. So that's the two options you've got but what you need to do when you do have a problem you break it down into tiny 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 baby steps and work on it and you don't waste that energy now I know we all go AWOL and we get really upset I've done it hundreds of times we all have <laughs> the pipes want to end up in the gutter and all the rest absolutely but, but <laughs> if you can remain objective to that problem and see it see it as an isolated thing as it were and break it down mm. then You've got to, you know, when you're looking at things, same with performance, be non-judgmental of performance, be like a, a remote observer of what you're doing. And that will massively help if you can start to train yourself to do that. So 
I see. Yeah. So kind of sit outside of the problem and look at it objectively. Yeah. As like a remote that. observer, how would you yeah. deal with that? Because you're wasting so much energy, which can be used positively into the performance. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great way to, to think about that for sure. Um, well, obviously, you know, speaking about anxiety and being self-critical, confidence is a big problem as well. Like a lot of musicians are like, oh, no, I just play a few tunes on a Saturday. And other people could look at them and go, no, you're this massive piping legend. What are you talking about? You play a few tunes. Um, so confidence is a big thing. Do you believe that musicians could possibly develop their self-confidence further to help their performance? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it comes down to having the conviction of your beliefs, believing in yourself, you know, the old Nike thing, you know, you've got to believe in yourself and just do it and all that kind of thing. But that's what it comes down to. Now, the main thing is there's three different types of confidence levels. You're either overconfident, which is we all know is compensating for something. And, you know, I've seen <laughs> plenty of people before they've gone in for the Commonwealth Games and that, and they're giving it the big yap. Yes. And you're mm-hmm. like, yeah, something's amiss here. You went like that before. And then they, they do dire. Um, you know, I'm just thinking of a, a particular swimmer. Off the top <laughs> um, but you can either be overconfident, which is not good. You can be underconfident, which is not good because you go going down in a, a downward negative spiral. Mm. So you've got to be realistically confident. Now, there's lots of different techniques that say I would work with somebody to build them up. I get people to write litanies, you know, of what they're doing well at the moment and, you know, appreciating what they're doing. And it can be like a goal litany of what they're doing for the week, a general thing of what they've done over time and how it's really contributed to their performance, all different things, which is positive. That's a starter. And Mm. that kind of helps people to begin with, and particularly youngsters, and then post it around, read these bullet points, read these statements out to themselves before they're competing. It's just a tiny little thing, but it does help with, with individuals. But there's a lot to really the self-efficacy that you believe that you can successfully carry out a task. So self-talk is key to this. Mm. Um, being realistic, challenging your negative belief systems, all these self-sabotaging beliefs. The key to everything is becoming self-aware, you know, noticing what you habitually say to yourself, what the problems are and how you react, you know, the whys yes. of your performance and why you're acting in a particular way. And then digging deeper as to, you know, even asking yourself extreme questions while you're doing all this, becoming aware, first of all, and then challenging, why am I saying this? And where has it come from? Where are these negative beliefs come from? It's CBT, essentially. And, and then you, you start to, it takes quite a number of months to develop this, but you break that chain of negativity. You're substituting a realistic, not a fantastical statement but something mm-hmm. that is more positive and you've got to get into this sort of practice this habit of doing that it's easier said than done but the more you practice doing this the more the brain kind of changes the way around of thinking and there we are you know but yeah. that's a very easy explanation of it it's you know a, a lot a lot of work has to go into that yeah. because one of the hardest things to break but it's very very powerful that's and it and-, and people I dare say, you know, musicians are notorious for being, you know, absolutely not confident, you know, (laughs) because we are so self-critical. So quite a difficult egg to crack, I think. But uh, I think, like you say, self-awareness plays a huge part of it, you know. Becoming aware of what the main problems are, first of all, and then breaking down, working with one or two things at a time. Essentially, Mm -hmm. when I meet somebody, I would most likely develop a performance enhancement plan which would be looking at the different elements is it the visualization is it the confidence is it the self-taught the focus whatever it is yeah uh, and then work on one or two things with them or a few things if they're more elite but uh, yeah i see so your work with uh solo musicians and sportsmen and women has been quite well documented i've done quite a lot of bit of research on this but one thing that i'm not aware of is that you do also work with bands as a collective group yeah, of yeah. people um, how do you achieve that? It'd be kind of difficult to get a grip mentality, wouldn't it be? Well, not not really. No. Well, it is complex. It can get very complex because you've got different characters, different human beings, and you've got mm. to get them to gel together. Then you get people that are isolated in groups and all this socio stuff that's going on. Yeah. Um, basically, you've got to really try and get them to gel together as a unit. They win together, they lose together. And it doesn't matter how many stars you've got in a pipe band, it will come down to the lowest common denominator, the weakest link, essentially. Yes. 
thing is that people get so het up with is so and so going to let us down or so and so and point the finger at each other and it starts to get quite bitchy. I've heard this before. Oh yeah. <laughs> now you win together you lose together and if you're pointing the finger at somebody it's going to happen to you at some point so yeah. that needs to be ironed out one of the things that has been taken from sport but we use right at the beginning of the season is like blast boxing where people really essentially get rid of that dead wood now it can go dramatically <laughs> wrong as you can imagine but um it, it does work really well you're you're getting out and you know it's almost like a focus group you're you're getting out all the negativity and getting rid of that if you can take all this blasting from each other about each other and getting rid of that then you're identifying the problems but essentially you're trying to work together you've got your long-term goals maybe you know five years down the line maybe you're in a, a grade you know four pipe band or grade three b and you want to move up to, to grade one that might take so many years down the line so mm-hmm. that could be your dream goal the long-term goal and then you would have maybe the end of season goal and each competition goal a practice goal for each practice when people come in yeah. you know there's lots mm-hmm. of different things that you can do to really i see you know, so can I ask you, the role of the pipe major then and the lead, lead tipper, the lead drummer, both of them would have very important roles then and trying to keep that unit together, you know, and have everyone still on board. To give you know? feedback to every single person after competition, not leave anybody out. Yeah. And also the encouragement, the gelling together, you know, having a goal at the beginning of each practice session when they, you know, mm. they, they come together and, you know, having a good interactive a good interaction really a good interactive quality where you know the the band members contribute just as much as the the, the majors there yeah uh, you know that is vital and also ensuring that people do have successes so this will build the confidence and this is coming back to your general confidence question mm. and there's lots of opportunities to ensure successes whether it's entertaining or what have you or having small little quartet competitions in the you know yeah. in, in the band itself or having people coming in and judge this there's, there's there's all different things that you can do and also in practice having people practice next to you know others at the same level of ability it encourages it gets away from the tedium of practice and also I know a lot of, of make pipe majors from majors will do this but also if you can practice with somebody that's better than yourself you're going to pick up on those cues and you will raise yes. your level and standards yeah. so this is really important too yeah that's it so those leadership roles within pipe bands are notoriously they're always very focused on the music and the performance element of it but they do need to be people persons as well do you know what i mean they need to be able to work with people and if they notice someone being particularly upset or anxious on a day they need to know how to help that person do you kind of help with you know hints and tips and how to bring someone back well there's, there's, <laughs> lot, well, there's lots of that it comes back to the focus it comes back to keeping the day simple it mm. comes back to the preparation and have having good backup plans backup b c d e f whatever it takes to have <laughs> a good backup plans, whether it's reads, whether it's weather you know and having everything you can't you know um I suppose have everything a hundred percent backed up, but whether it's you know delays in time for coming on, or you've got to go on sooner than you expect, or anything you know, um, or a different place you've got to go to because something's happened in that place, but you know, um, all these different things. So it's having backup plans and being prepared for any eventuality, yeah. and also trying to you know go to you, you go to the place if you can or visualize you know go through your pre pre-performance sets and all that kind of stuff i use on the day um i use what's akin to the funnel effect so if if you imagine like a funnel it's wide at the top going narrower and narrower and narrower and that's the analogy for where your focus is going to be on the day so you you can't get yourself all het up first thing in the morning at breakfast you know you'd be vomiting or something you know (laughs) the nerves would be just play be playing havoc so you escape but it gets very sophisticated when it's actually used but very basically here so the widest part of the funnel is akin to the early parts of the morning when you're escaping then the focus gets narrower and narrower as the funnel gets narrower and narrower to the mm-hmm. actual event. So, you know, there'll be a time when you'll go through your pre-performance routine, visualizing that. Maybe you're doing that and you're, you know, you might be looking at litany, self-statements, positive stuff to really bolster you up, yourself up, or different ways of psyching yourself up, you know, saying, 
20 minutes before the competition, depending on what you're like. I mean, some people, they're, they're more focused internally. And as a result, they might like, a, you know, a quiet space being away from others. And they don't want to watch what other pipe bands are doing or other solar yes. players are doing. And they just want the quiet. Other people, they're, they're bothered by the physiology and they, they feel horrible. So they need to externalize more. So it's best if they're laughing and joking and chatting with band members or other competitors. So yes. you know, there's different techniques to do, say, about half an hour, 20 minutes before you go on. And then you get yourself grounded focused whatever keyword you need to prepare to go on so there you go in my experience i'm going to tell you a couple of stories and i want to know your opinions on these if you want to so yeah i dare say you're going to laugh at these i used to, <laughs> <laughs> i had a guy in my drum corps who used to get incredibly nervous and he got advice from someone in the sports world he said to him see before you're going to go on to perform and like just gets too much for you he said, do some push-ups and what? he just started doing push-ups. He took his drum <laughs> off. Mind off it. <laughs> yeah, he took his drum off. He got down on the ground, started doing push-ups. And I said, what the heck is this guy doing? And then put the drum back on again and went in and played perfect. Is that someone you've ever heard of? <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, that probably would work because it's it's a, a drastic thing. It's something quite extreme. Yeah. And it's, it's taking his mind off it. So in a sense, he's externalizing, getting away from his internal thoughts, his physiology, and he's doing something dramatically different. And also it becomes part of a ritual for him. And it's like yeah, a magical yeah. thing. We all have our suspicions like having laces tied a certain way or oh, yeah. you know, little routine. Mm -hmm. And these are important because we need to go through them personally because it, it's not magical. We, we tend to think, well, these are good luck things, but it actually calms our anxiety down if we go through these simple little routines, you know, tying our laces yep. a certain way. Me with the dancing, used to have my fingers crossed behind my back. <laughs> <laughs> all the time. Um, but we all have silly little rituals. And, and they calm us down, actually. So that's the, the whole point of them. Really. So there you go. Yeah, for me, it just to be my flashes. I had to have them a certain way. And if they weren't right, I knew they weren't right. And I, I would play bad that day. It was a, a strange <laughs> thing with me. But yeah, for that guy, I'm not going to mention his name because I know people know him. Uh, but from there on, every World Championships, he took five minutes and done push-ups. No matter, you know, 10, 15 minutes, he was away and he came back. And he was right as rain, you know? <laughs> The problem is, though, with the kilt, and you know, if it was yeah. a muddy field, <laughs> that was yeah, some years were more challenging yeah. than others. Yeah, he yeah. was coming back covered in mud. Where were you? <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, I do know a lot of people use you know, alcohol uh, whenever they're trying to cope with nerves and stuff. And honestly, in my experience, it doesn't work. You know, uh, people have to all oh, take the wee nip out of the hip flash grab, and that'll keep you right. If anything, it's always done the opposite for me. Uh, so yeah is, is there anything then that people can do to either avoid the alcohol or find something else to help with the nerves and the jangles well basically you know alcohol will take the edge off your performance so you won't be as crisp and as sharp yes. the brain won't be as sharp I would say that piping is the closest we can get to like golf you're using well I know you're a drummer and I apologize to drummers I'm not a drummer but again it's the same tendons and nerves that you're using and it's very cerebral it's very cognitive because you're going through all that the same with piping yes. so but both pipers and drummers it's very akin to golf they're using the brain the cognitive element a lot more and then fine-tuning the muscles and stuff so um you've really got to focus on what the thinking part is there. That's, that's important. Now, hmm. if you're taking alcohol, it's just going to take the edge off it and takes the sharpness off it, stilling the brain. And I've had people say they've gone and they've entertained at places, first half really good. They've taken a few drams, a couple of drams in the break. They go back and they're like, no, nah, it wasn't as good. But I felt it was good. I felt it was great. But you know, <laughs> they've heard it recorded and they're like, no, nah, that wasn't a shop. Yeah. The other thing that you hear a lot of people doing is taking beta blockers. Now I have no opinion. It's not my place to say. I know a lot of top pipe bands and, you know, solar players will take beta blockers to take the edge and some people get used to it, others don't i know that that's something that is out there and it's it, i suppose it can be quite a mooted point um but i'm not going to pass any comments on that that's the individual yeah. individual self yeah. and stuff but that is something that's well known with musicians that they, they do 
Um, but basically, you've got to, during your practice, the tedium of practice is so much that you can work on to prepare yourself. And when you think about it, and I say this to people, three quarters, if you think of performance holistically as having, as a, as having four quadrants, Mm -hmm. and three quarters of that is a practice we practice 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 and all the rest of it and that one quarter is the mind you can do as much practice as you like and even though the mind part is only a tiny part of it when it comes to the day if something disrupts you on the day or you're thrown or you forget something or somebody says something to you that can be that hard work out the window completely so the mental bit is very important despite being a small part and I think people are beginning to realize how important it is now and um, although some people still see it as voodoo <laughs> but it's getting less less perceived as that over time but it's important you know to utilize and practice the mental side in our practice sessions equally as much as you know the technique and the expression it's really, really important to do that and just get yourself totally prepared for, for the competitions. But if you get away to the fact it's a competition and you're focused more on the actual performance itself, that will alleviate all that tension, all that win-win scenario, all that pressure. And by doing that, you're hacking away gradually and you are more likely to obtain your optimal performance down the line than you will by focusing on winning or losing the competition. You know, Absolutely. you don't have control over that, but you do have control over your performance. So, you know, that really is key to what's going on here, you know, in terms of the anxiety levels. Indeed. Yeah. And it's been something we've been talking about on the show here in the podcast for quite a while is that, yes, our competition season is returning after two years of pandemic. And it's great and everything to have competitions back. But the focus should be the music. And I think if people kind of focus on getting the music back again, competition kind of comes secondary, really. Totally. Well, I think, you know, it is the love of the music. We wouldn't do it otherwise, but there is tremendous yeah. pressure globally. Um, and as I said, that gold standard has been raised and raised. I mean, there's mm. so many people competing nowadays and at such a high level, the pressure yeah. is unbelievable. And, you know, win, 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 you know, it's a battle out there. But at the end of the day, what you remember from your piping years, it doesn't matter what you've won and what you haven't. That's the ego. And it's pleasant, but it's a story. It's a com camaraderie. It's the enjoyment. Oh, do you, you know, you'll be speaking to somebody and say, oh, do you remember such and such competition? What happened there? It's a stories. It's a love mm. of piping. And that's what we, you know, we shouldn't take for granted. It's that. And that's the most important. The exactly. ego comes, comes, you know, way down the line because there's always going to be a new kid on the block a new pipe band new top players on the block hmm. and although you know the legends are remembered it's the stories it's a love of the piping you know ultimately absolutely um, i couldn't agree more yeah that's fantastic so for everyone listening to the show right now or even watching this video right now on youtube do you want to tell everyone then about your website and everything and where people can possibly contact you then for further advice well, I've got my email there, which is f.mcconaughey at gmail.com.uk. Mm -hmm. I have a form site, which is a pretty bad site, actually, on Facebook. But um, that's a website. Mm -hmm. And it's just really to, just to say I work in, in sports. I started off as a sports psychologist. I've been doing this for over 35 years. But I've been in piping primarily because I realised we can use the transferable skills for like the last 15, 20 years in dancing. Mm -hmm. And um, basically I can do one-to-one -one sessions with people, which I'm, I'm working with people from as far away as Texas to Australia. Wow. Um, you know, <laughs> all over the place. Um, pipe bands and, you know, as far as Canada, all different places. Um, so I can work with pipe bands through Zoom. It's been mainly worked through Zoom, obviously, with the people abroad. Yes. And... Yeah. Um, one-to-one -one basis or in groups and uh, it works really well. I'm also writing two books at the moment. One's coming out soon once I've got it edited when I get my backside into gear essentially <laughs> and it's um, it's looking at um, pet plans, performance enhancement plans and how we can utilize these. They're essentially a wheel with segments and how we can utilize these to get the best out of ourselves. And that's yeah. linked into goal setting. And then I've got another book, which got about four chapters to write on it, which is the interventions from confidence. And it's got exercises in it and stuff. 
to anxiety control to imagery and so forth so that's being developed as well oh, so hopefully yeah. that'll be out but um i was thinking of changing the website round to winning mind because i thought that was a bit better than having a sort of crystal meg kind of clairvoyant sounding site. <laughs> <laughs> i thought it sounded okay at first but so I have got another sort of website that I probably will develop into that down the line, but just my email, that'll get to me. And um, yeah. Perfect. There you go. So, well, yes, if anyone out there has enjoyed any of our conversation and then please do either contact Fiona or you can contact ourselves here at the Big Rab Show and we'll certainly put you in contact. Yeah. I I honestly believe that the mental side of the game is a huge deal. You know, we talk about the musical element of it all the time. But it's honestly that final quarter, as you say, that really does mean the world. Uh, so thank you so much for taking time to chat to us here in the podcast. And hopefully we'll get you back on in a future show to chat even more. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks very much. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. And there you have it. And I meant every word of what I said there. And I have to say a huge thank you to Fiona there for chatting with us here on the Big Rab Show podcast. It's such a fascinating subject area. And uh, one of which I don't believe gets talked about enough. And it's something that we could honestly focus on as musicians and fans of the piping scene also. You know, the mental side of piping and drumming is a huge deal. And I hope you don't mind us placing this episode right smack bang in the middle of the season, just ahead of the Euros. (laughs) But that was done deliberately. We do know that there are pipers and drummers out there who are furiously competing each weekend now throughout our season. And it's around this time that a topic such as this may well become useful. Uh, So anyone listening to the pod right now and you're angry, saying, Ah, Rab, I wanted a Euro preview. Uh, Well, you can drop us in your emails, of course. But if this week's episode was of any value to you at all, I would urge you to please share it with your mates. You know, share it with your piping and drumming family. Anyone that you think could benefit from listening to that interview, please let them know about it and share it out there and get folks to listen because I do believe there were some very important messages in there for sure. As always, you can contact us if you're completely disappointed with this week's pod. You can email us, bigrabshow at gmail.com. And who knows, your email may well feature on a future episode of Hater Mail. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, but no, seriously, we do hope that this episode was of somewhat useful. And uh, yeah, it was deliberately timed. Now, let's get on to the European Championships this weekend in Inverness, shall we? This is shaping up to be quite a huge competition because, as you know, we are gradually getting closer to the big in in Glasgow. Yeah, so we have the Euros, of course, and then after that, the last time our bands will have a chance to get a swing at each other is in Dumbarton. So the Euros is always a good one to kind of gauge on form, just to see exactly where we are. So we've had the British, the UK's. Now we're into the Euros, so this is the third major in the calendar, and things can start to hot up around now, so, um, yeah. Unfortunately, we're going to keep our cards close to our chest with regards to any predictions and stuff like that for the Euros this weekend, but, uh, yeah, we want to wish everyone the very best of luck. Have a good tune, and uh, hopefully the conditions will be favourable, and... uh, Yeah, no doubt we'll be reporting on everything that's happening from Inverness over the course of the weekend on our social media. So if you do want to keep up to date with everything, then that's where you need to go. On the Big Rab Show Facebook page, on our Twitter, and on our website as well, thebigrabshow.com. And don't forget to check out our YouTube channel as well, where we will hopefully have some recordings and stuff and whatnot. So yeah, that's where you go. Check it all out. It's all on our social medias, and we'll do what we can to keep up with everything from Inverness this weekend. Good luck to everyone who's heading to Inverness. I dare say this will be one heck of a competition and I cannot wait to be out the other side of it so we can try and analyse it all and try and figure out where bands are heading into the Scottish then, Dumbarton. Oh, it's going to be so good. So good luck, everyone. And yes, I do hope that you managed to enjoy this week's episode. Uh, As always, I keep saying that, but... Yeah, our email address, bigrabshow at gmail.com. If you got any value from this week at all, or even if you didn't, we still want to hear from you. So there you are. All right, folks, I am out the door. Don't forget that you can uh, support the show on Patreon and possibly get all sorts of little bit of extra content. Yeah, just by clicking on support. Yeah, so be part of the Patreon faithful and uh, yeah, get your mitts on tons of extra stuff. Indeed. And we'll see you right back here next week for another Big Rab Show podcast. 
which again is a doozy and we're yeah we'll get to that but we'll see you on next week's pod good luck everyone in Inverness this weekend for the Euros have a good tune and we'll see you next week all the best Well, that's it for another Big Rap Show podcast. Thanks so much for downloading this week. And a special thank you to our sponsor, G1 Reads. Played by bands around the world, they are the champion's choice. Played by two-time world champions in Vararian District. Don't forget to check out thebigrabshow.com to be kept up to date with all the latest news and views from the piping world. And also check us out on Patreon. For five bucks a month, you can get your hands on tons of extra piping goodness and be part of the Patreon faithful. So until next week, guys, we'll see you right here on the Big Rab Show podcast. All the best. <laughs>